So if we look at those, those breath readings and we see more of those names are advancing than declining, and we couple that with the idea that everybody is extremely pessimistic with the sentiment readings together, we set ourselves up for that potential where we could see that move to the upside. On this episode of Early Bird, Mike Tedeschi, market advisor at TradeSing. Mike joins the podcast today to talk about breath indicators and sentiment readings, including pros and cons of each, and some examples of both techniques in today's market. If you're an investor looking to stay on top of the latest market trends, then you're listening to the right podcast. This is Early Bird, and I'm your host, Stephen Lerner. Before we get to today's discussion, let me tell you you can save time and beat the market through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter featuring commentary about the latest trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and equity crowdfunding. Early Bird is designed to help individual and non-professional investors stay on top of all of the critical investing trends. The newsletter is 100% free and is sent to your email box each weekday morning. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, today's discussion. All right, Mike, welcome to the Early Bird Podcast. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me today. Me too. I'm excited that you're here. Today, we are going to talk about breath sentiment readings, what it means in the the stock market in 2022. But before we get to that, Mike, uh, what should the audience know about you? If you could sort of go over your background, keep it to 30 seconds, what, what, what should the audience know about you going into this episode, Mike? Sure. I've been uh, trading professionally for about 15 years. I used to run my own um, financial newsletter and day trade chat room. And then I got uh, licensed and actually now I'm a uh, portfolio manager over Perspective Wealth Planning, managing portfolios. And I'm working with TradeZing as a market advisor, really looking forward to that platform getting off the ground here at the beginning of next year. Fantastic. And so... Um, and, 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 and you're with TradeZing as well as market advisor, correct? Just to can you go over that real quick. Yeah, I'm market advisor over at TradeZing, yep. That's awesome. So we are talking about breadth sentiment readings um, and as it relates to the market here in 2022. Mike, um, just so the audience understands, what do you mean by breadth sentiment readings? Where, how would you define that? So we've got uh, two separate things here. We've got breadth readings, which is essentially taking an in-depth look at the number of stocks that are moving up versus moving down. And the reason why this is so important, especially in today's market, is we have a couple of companies that make up the lion's share of some of these indexes. When you're talking about you know, Apple, Amazon, Facebook, which is now Meta, Google, they can make up 20, depending on you know the price, 25% of some of these major indexes. So if those five stocks are doing well, the indexes themselves can be going up, but what about all the other stocks? If if more are going down, it can be hidden by just taking a look at the indexes. So when we look at breadth readings, we're really looking underneath the surface and looking at all stocks as a total and seeing whether more are going higher or going lower. And it can give us some very interesting keys on where the market might ultimately be going. Okay, so it, it, it sounds like um, this is used primarily for traders who are looking at the market as a whole, correct? Correct. It's a great way, essentially, to look underneath the hood of the car, so to speak, and see if the engine is running well. Because, again, if we just take a look at, you know, 
the NASDAQ 100, there's only 100 companies and a couple of them make up the lion's share. So if those big generals, as we so call them, are holding up well, it can mask weakness underneath of the surface. And if you're looking at the breadth readings, you can actually see that weakness happening before you see it in the indexes themselves. So it gives you a, you know, kind of a foreboding, a forewarning, so to speak, of what could be coming for the rest of the stocks. Got it. So if you understand breath readings and you're able to take a look at them, you might be able to see which direction the market or even a segment of the market is heading before other investors would sort of realize that, correct? Correct. Um, Mike, what are some examples that you know of in terms of uh, breath readings? There, there are several different kinds out there, different types of numbers to look at. What, what are some that come to mind for you? So um, one of the ones I look at very frequently is called the NASDAQ McClellan Summation Index. Um, the NASI, NASI is what it's referred to as. And in some trading platforms, you can actually put that in and see those numbers. But it takes a look at um, essentially the breadth readings of the, on the NASDAQ. Um, I like to take a look at the advanced decline line. That's just the AD line, um, which is just a straight look at the number of stocks going up versus going down. That's usually look looked at on the New York Composite Index, so all stocks that are traded on the New York Stock Exchange, and then it's displayed as a cumulative number. Um, and so you can see over time, is that number rising or is that number falling? And if that number is falling, that typically is you know showing signs of weakness. And when it's rising, we're seeing signs of strength. Got it. And so th th those are some of the more dominant ones in, in terms of indicators you've noticed, it sounds like, right? Yeah, those are the really good way of getting to that information. Got it. And yeah. most platforms have access to that. Absolutely. Yeah, you just got to look into the trading platform to be able to find those types of um, features that might be able to tell you that. Um, using breadth sentiment readings um, comes with its advantages. It also comes with some disadvantages, I'd imagine. What are the pros and cons of, of, of relying on breadth readings in the market? So, uh, I mean, one of the things that can be a, a negative is that, um, you know, you get false signals, just like you get with any type of technical, you know, uh, analysis, so to speak. And so a good example of that actually this year was when we saw that potential like kind of bottom in June in the market, we saw that big bounce. We actually saw the advanced decline line turn up. Right. And we all know that a couple of weeks later, we subsequently saw the market roll back over and actually the index has made a new low for the year, you know, recently. So for a couple of weeks there, things looked really good, but we didn't have any sort of staying power, so to speak. So you could kind of tell that you were going to get that bounce based on what was going on in terms of the number of stocks going up versus going down. But it didn't mean that that was going to ultimately be the bottom. It just was a bottom, right? Uh-huh. Got it. So that, that's a, a good example that you bring up, um, Mike, uh, sort of looking at the market this year. You're saying that using a, a, a breath reading, you might have noticed this back in June, it sounds like. Correct. Um, and so we we got that bounce right at the end of June, and we saw a lot more stocks going up than going down during that time frame. And we actually, I mean, the S&P 500 rallied almost you know 20% off of that bottom, but it just didn't hold it all. So like anything that we're taking a look at from a technical analysis standpoint, 
it doesn't mean what you're looking at is going to have long-term staying power, right? When you have a breakout on RSI or, or something like that, it doesn't mean it's going to continue to follow through forever and ever and ever. It just kind of gives you that short window of, of what's going on. And the breath readings give you that short window view into the health of the overall market. Got it. And, yeah. And so from there, I guess that overall view sort of can help you as an investor if you're bullish, bearish, I, so right? Correct. You can put in, you know, particular, you know, rules into your into your trading system where it's like I will not own, you know, stocks if breath readings are deteriorating. So there's continually more stocks making new 52 week lows and, you know, 52 week highs. You can put things like that into your, um, you know, trading plan. The downsides with doing that. You know, uh, it takes a long time when we get out of the bottom of a bear market for that 52-week high list to really start replacing, <laughs> you know, the 52-week low list. So, you know, you go to 2009, right? You, you, that wouldn't have gotten you back into the market near the bottom. It would have gotten you back into the market, you know, 2010, you know, so you would have missed the exact bottom, but you would have avoided the worst portion of the down draw. So, um, it can be a very interesting way to to look at things. Oh yes, the, 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 this is one of those strategies I think a lot of investors would have loved to have known a year ago before the events of 2022 in the in the market. So um, it, it it it's definitely helpful to know. <laughs> it sounds like um, is this is this a strategy that you know you've picked up over the years with your clients, or how, how have you come across uh, breath sentiment readings in your line of work? So uh, breath and sentiment. Um, are two separate things. So I wanted to get into sentiment here in a little bit as well. But the breath readings in in themselves, the market topped out in terms of the number of stocks going up versus down in about August of last year. So we saw the indexes continue to go up for another couple of months, but underneath the surface, you had that deterioration taking place. So when you see something like that, you don't know that the market is ultimately going to you know, roll over the way that it has this year and we're going to you know, ultimately go into a bear market. But what it does is it gives you the ability to look at what's going on and go, hmm, not as many stocks are going up as before. Maybe I should take some chips off the table, raise a little cash, you know, sell some of the names that have really run or get out of some names that haven't been moving. Um, it, you know, it doesn't mean panic or the, the world is ending or anything like that, but it gives you a good indication that, you know, we might be in for a little bit of a pullback and it gets you the ability to raise that extra cash and have that flexibility. And that's, that's how I use it. So when I see weakening internals in the market, um, I'm not going to go out and sell all my core positions, but I'm going to sell some of those more speculative positions. I'm going to raise a little bit more cash and I'm going to give myself the ability to be a lot more flexible, you know, in case a storm comes up. And that has worked out, you know, very well this year, given everything that's happened so far. Good to know. When we return, we'll hear from Mike about using both breath indicators and sentiment readings in today's market and some advice for investors. But first, let me tell you where you can become a more informed investor through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter. Early Bird has commentary on the latest events and trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and crowdfunding. With Early Bird's daily weekday email, investors can quickly stay on top of the trends and beat the market. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, back to today's discussion. So, Mike, today we're talking about 
uh, breath indicators. We looked at how it's useful uh, when picking stocks and looking at the market. Um, sentiment readings, that's something a little bit different, right? Yes. Sentiment is really pulling investors' psychology. Like, are they fearful about what's going on? What is their you know, outlook, so to speak? And so sentiment readings give us that indication of whether or not people are panicking or not. Um, and this is very, very useful because if we look at sentiment data today, people are more pessimistic than they were in the depths of the financial crisis in 2008. Mm. And this is, I look at both retail sentiment and I also look at institutional sentiment, right? So what are the hedge funds and the large dollar funds doing and how are they positioning themselves? And where we're at right now, the big money has never been more bearish in history, right? Uh, mm -hmm. They're extremely bearish and this there's that, that old adage that uh, if everybody is on one side of the ship, the ship essentially will tip over, right, and start to sink. When everybody is positioned in one way, it, it leads for that possibility for those big reversals. It doesn't mean it immediately happens, but it gives you the potential for it to happen, right? If you think about the way markets work, for stocks to continue to go up, there always has to be somebody to buy. Right. If there's nobody else interested in buying, it's not going to go up anymore. So when you see, uh, you know, the, the financial news media talking about one particular stock and you get on the bus and you hear people talking about that same stock and you get your hair cut and somebody's talking about that same stock. Who's left to buy at that point? Everybody is already in it. And so sentiment can give you a very good understanding of what people are thinking as a whole, right? If everybody is bearish like they are right now, and they're more bearish than they were when it looked like the entire financial system was going to collapse in 2008, might we be somewhere near a bottom, right? Might, might this move have gotten too far in one direction? And that's kind of what sentiment data can really help us figure out. And the weakness with sentiment data, I'll give you a great example mm. lately, is of China, right? If we take a look at Chinese internet stocks, they had complete pessimism earlier this year and had a huge washout. I remember, right? yeah. <laughs> well, they've washed out once again, right? And it's gotten even more pessimistic. Um, you know, earlier this week, um, as I you know, re-elected, uh, markets didn't like that, and you saw a lot of these Chinese stocks gap down 10, 15% when they were already at their 52-week lows. So sentiment's gotten even worse, <laughs> right? <laughs> so if you were just using sentiment data, you would have figured that the bottom was in earlier this year, and then this week happens, and now you're sitting here going, well, well what just transpired? <laughs> sentiment <laughs> go ahead no i was just gonna say yeah it, it sounds like sentiment uh, data can be great way to look at things but you shouldn't depend solely on it is that what it sounds like correct if you take a longer time horizon you're usually going to get things right with sentiment meaning you things are so bearish in that particular sector but that doesn't mean that we wouldn't get another big thrust to the downside. But if we look at a year from now, the probability that we're higher a year from now, given exactly all the sentiment readings and everything that we're seeing there, is extremely high. Right? With these particular readings that we're seeing, it hasn't happened but four or five times in history. It's been that bad for, for the Chinese stocks. It has been higher a year later 100% of the time.
And that's a very small sample size. So you can't, you know, definitively say it absolutely must go up from here. But that's a pretty good indication that if I'm looking a year out from now, we're probably we're probably going to be higher. Right. But that doesn't mean we're not going to get another huge 10, 15 percent move to the downside, like one more kind of washout, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So that's the difficulty with sentiment readings. It, they, they give you a good picture of what is going on. And if you look at things a year from now, you have you know pretty decent data sets to understand where you might be. But it doesn't mean within the next month you're not going to be much lower still because, you know, people can things can get worse. Right. <laughs> yeah. You think you're buying the dip, but no, the dip is buying you. Yeah. Uh, I think um, I think people are familiar with that, especially this year. <laughs> yeah, um, the dip just keeps on dipping. Yeah. Um, but, sorry, go on. But when we start combining the two things together, we can start to get an understanding of what might be taking place in a better way. So let's take a look at that breath reading, but let's look at, let's say, the um, the Russell. The Russell 2000 has not made a... It made a new low by like a tick or two, but the S&P 500, um, you know, was down by about four or five percent below the June lows. The Dow did as well. The Nasdaq really took out those June lows. The Russell didn't. And a lot of those really growthy stocks that actually led us to the downside. So you could think of like Kathy Woods Fund ARC, that growth sector of the market. Mm-hmm. That topped out in February of 2021. But most of those names didn't make a lower low since June. It may have actually bottomed in June this year. So if we look at those those breadth readings and we see more of those names are advancing than declining, and we couple that with the idea that everybody is extremely pessimistic with the sentiment readings together, we set ourselves up for that potential where we could see that move to the upside, right? Um, but we may still have another leg lower, right? And, you know, I could see a lot of reasons why 3,300 gets tested on the S&P 500. But when I start to put all of the pieces together, I'm seeing less stocks making new lows. I'm starting to see some, some areas in the market where we're seeing more and more highs. Healthcare has been really strong. We know energy this year has been absolutely fantastic. But we're, we're starting to see some, some stocks show up on that 52-week high list. The worst area of the market hasn't continued to make new lows and everybody is talking about the end of the world. You know, put all of those pieces together and we're probably at a spot where it makes sense to have a balance. Right. I see that. So sort of the combination of all of these data points you bring up, whether it's breath indicators, whether it's the sentiment readings, all of these things, the combination is sort of how you can draw a picture of where the market is headed as a whole, or perhaps a segment of the market. Is that, is that what it sounds like? Correct. The the more pieces of information that we can put together to help us come up with that conclusion, you know, the better. Mm. Um, to a point, right? We don't want to have a chart with forty thousand lines <laughs> on it, but <laughs> yeah, that would not be good. Uh, Mike, real quick, what what advice would you have to uh, retail traders and retail investors out there who want to start using more? Breath, sen- breath indicators and sentiment readings in their analysis to pick stocks in the market. Well, what advice would you have for them in terms of getting started with that? Sure. I would really pay attention to the advanced decline line and, and the NASDAQ um, McClellan summation index, um, the NASI. The advanced decline line is probably the easiest thing to use. It is literally just are more stocks going up than more stocks going down. That information is put out there every single day. And 
when you are looking at that data, you will get a very clear you know, indication. More stocks are going up than are going down. That means I probably should be you know, in the market and on the long side. And on the flip side, when you're seeing more stocks making new lows than new highs, more stocks going down than going up, all right, that's probably a time in which to be cautious. And this year, pretty much the entire year, you've had more lows than highs. And if you put that into your decision-making process, right, we don't need to catch the exact bottom, as I you know, mentioned before with 2000, you know, 2008, 2009. You don't need to get in at the exact bottom. But when you're, if you're able to get in when you have more stock going up than are going down, sentiment readings are in the right spot, and maybe a couple of other things that you put in, in, you know, into your trading plan, you're avoiding the worst areas of the market, and you're getting in when times are getting better, right? I think most people when they get when they start, they want to sell the exact top and they want to buy the exact bottom, and that's extremely difficult to do. And there's that old saying: more money is lost in the the last eighth and the first eighth of a move than anywhere else. And it's because everybody's always trying to chase tops and chase bottoms, right? Mm. Markets tend to trend a lot longer than people think. And that goes in both directions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's easy to catch that bull market and, and, and take that ride up without getting the exact bottom. You know, if you go back to 2020, mm-hmm. you didn't need to buy in March, right? If you waited until you know, the, the NASDAQ broke out there like three three months later, you didn't get the bottom, but you still got into all of these stocks that went up hundreds of percent and have these huge moves to the upside. You got that all clear signal when the you know NASDAQ made a new all-time high. So trying to pick bottoms and trying to pick tops is a very difficult game. Um, if you can figure out what the main trend is and put some specific rules around being able to follow that, uh-huh. you're going to do a lot better. Makes sense. Mike, thank you so much for explaining breath indicators, sentiment readings, everything that investors need to know. Here we are in the market 2022. Really do appreciate that. Before we wrap up the discussion today, I just have one final question for you, Mike, and it's the most important question for today's discussion. That question for you, Mike, is would you go with the aliens if they beam down to Earth? I mean, of course, you have to go with the aliens if they if they came down to Earth. Like, if you have a intellect from another planet that comes to this planet, right? Mm-hmm. You've got to go find and and see exactly where they came from, the technology that they've got, because for them to make it here, they've got to have something super super special on a technological standpoint. And I, for one, would be very interested in in, in seeing and learning what that is. Thank you again to Mike Tedeschi for sharing your insights on breath indicators and sentiment readings. And thank you to everyone for listening to today's discussion. We'll be back next week for another episode of Early Bird. Have a great day.